have to understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Black turn cold and the stars look down and you'd hug yourself on the cold, cold ground. You wake the morning in a stranger's coat but no one would you see. Ask yourself who'd watch for me, my only friend. Who could it be? It's hard to say it, I hate to say it, but it's probably me. I'm on that red bell shit for real. When your bell is empty and the hunger's so real, you're too proud to beg. Too dumb to steal You search the city For your only friend No one will you see Ask yourself Who'd watch for me A solitary voice To speak out and set me free I hate to say it I hate to say it But it's probably me Not the easiest person I ever got to know. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. CFR Network, CFR News, thank yourself for surviving the zombie apocalypse. Welcome back to the Gregorian year of 2022. Special guest, author, researcher, critical thinker, um, Andrew Johnson. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. I have been um, binging on your content for quite some time. And I thought, I'll, well, to be fair, I did want to try and do pre, you know, 2021, to be fair. But I thought, what a better time and place to do it now in the uh, current time space that we are we are currently residing in so yes welcome to the broadcast thank you very much for um, accepting the invite um i think this is going to be a very interesting enlightening uh, conversation sir i hope so yeah yeah absolutely definitely so let's um for the ones Listeners and viewers who are wondering, where on earth is Noble going to take us today? Could you give us a, because a, I, I only gave you a very brief introduction. Mm. Could you give us a little bit more of a fleshier introduction to mm. yourself, sir? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, I consider myself a sort of fairly normal and boring person in, in many respects. Um, but I've sort of been carried off on this uh, journey 
which which uh, you know as we were discussing just before we were recording a little bit it started in the early 2000s really for me it was 2003 and uh, you know I've always had this suspicion that there's more going on in life than just you know the regular things of uh, you know getting educated get finding a job you know raising a family there's there's, there's other stuff going on you know mm-hmm. that, that you get an, an intuition for and uh, that for me was was an interest in the paranormal you know and and and, and the stuff like ufos and aliens i'd read a few books i wouldn't say it was a passion or anything like that but it was something that i was interested in that not many of my, the you know my friends were interested in really and whenever i talked about it uh, on the very rare occasions that I did, you know, I'm thinking while I was at university and stuff, you know, it got, there wasn't, there wasn't much feedback, you know, it was kind of sort of dead air in the room sort of thing. And mostly, you know, occasionally you'd get somebody say, oh, I saw, you know, a flying saucer or a UFO when I was 12 or something like that, but it was never much beyond that, you know. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I've always been naturally curious. I've said in other interviews, for example, that, uh, I was told by my siblings that I used to take all the clocks to bits in the house. And I don't, I have no memory of doing that. I did, was doing this problem when I was like four or five years old or something. But, uh, you know, I did, for example, uh, build electronic circuits when I was in my mid teens. My brother had a, a sort of self assembly electronics set, which he'd, I think, uh, learned quite a bit from. And he passed that on to me. He was 10 years older than me, you see. And, uh, you know, I was building like a three transistor radio and it was just like a, um, you know, it's very easy to build. You just yeah. followed the card circuit diagram and and you put a nine volt battery on it and you could build a radio and an intercom. The intercom was really good, actually, and I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, so that, you know, taught me a bit about electronics and the different components and stuff, which I didn't really do at school, um, but it augmented what I learned at school in physics and stuff. So, you know, in certain respects, when I, when I was doing that sort of thing in physics, I was a little bit ahead of, of some of the other students. And, uh, you know, that applied in a few other areas of science. And uh, I ended up doing sort of maths, physics, chemistry and general studies A-level. And then I went to university uh, and I did um, computer science and physics at Lancaster for three years. And then I went to work in, um, you know, in, uh, in, in, in industry, really. And I'd, 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 I knew what I wanted to do as soon as I was 16, really, because I'd got a ZX81 for anybody that knows what that is taught myself to program that in a 10 week period, uh, sent off some basic games to a, a sort of, cl- uh, you know, postal club thing that was, was doing a postal newsletter every month. Yes. And the guy, you know, he, he published my program and th- said he thought it was quite good. You know, and I was only like 16 and then, I, and then I wrote a couple of games on the spectrum and I sold those or, or rather I sent them off to somebody and they, they sent me some royalty money and they put them on a tape and that. And ironically, you know, uh, I've said this to other people, but um, I, I worked in industry for 20 years, you know, and did various projects, um, <clears throat> mainly in the UK, but I was fortunate enough to travel to Japan twice. I went to South Korea once. I went to uh, the US about four or five times, to Canada uh, once or twice, and, um, you know, on these various projects. But if you go and look back, uh, you can find on the internet this little Spectrum game that I wrote when I was 17, somebody's archived that, you know, they've got this tape that it was on and they've now put it on the internet, you know, wow. and you can find it. So it's like really weird. I'm thinking, mm, I did that, you know, just out of fun. And that's the thing that's like stayed there, you know, yes. it's been archived. All the other stuff doesn't matter, you know, so it's kind of weird. Uh, and so that, that side of me, you know, that sort of technical side, and I've always been, uh, 
I'm not only fascinated by technology, I want to understand it and be, I want to be, you know, master of the technology rather than it be master of me. Mm -hmm. I don't like not understanding how something works, you know, basically, yes. uh, certainly when it comes to technology and, and, and uh, often science in general. So I try and, you know, gain knowledge as much as I can. Uh, and, and as much as I'm motivated to do. And, and really, I say that because that's what I was doing uh, with the UFO issue. When I Once I got the broadband internet in 2003, and I thought, flipping heck, yeah. this is like totally, you can just find out bloody anything you want. You know, and the stuff I was finding, I think this is just, it was just like drinking from, you know, a fire hose sort of thing. Exactly, so yes, indeed. You know, unrestricted unfiltered data yeah. just flowing that's it you know and, and i was downloading the videos and i found this disclosure project thing the stephen greer thing and then i and then i'm basically when that you know i found that and i watched that press conference that he did anybody that's not watched that is still worth watching yes but, uh, actually it's probably you know in this last year i'd say it's if you haven't watched it and you haven't studied it it's worth looking at it even though it is now uh, 20 years old it's over 20 years old the stephen greer disclosure project press conference if you just put that into your favorite search engine you'll, you'll find it mm -hmm. and um that was in that was that 80s or 90s 2001 May 2001 the 6th. okay right and 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 really why i'm mentioning that is you know you read that in my in the intro to one one or all of my books i can't remember which ones i've put it in um you know that I was looking for stuff on this so-called Rendlesham UFO landing, and uh, and then I found this disclosure project thing, and which talked a little bit about that. And they had one of the so-called witnesses in this press conference, although I later found out a lot more about him. Um, and then when I watched that and studied it a bit, and you know, I'd looked at that two or three days a week or something, I thought there really is a UFO cover-up. I'd always suspected that there was. And I thought that the, the really there's no doubt in my mind now there is a cover up and what they're covering up is really important for everybody to know about. And that's that's what's really motivated me to, you know, what I then did was I've said all this before, but anybody that's listened to me before, but, that you know, then I got myself for an LCD projector, uh, which was still fairly new then, you know, and I got a second hand one and it was like 500 quid, you know, so it was it was a. You know, I mean, I was earning enough money and stuff like that by then. You know, I've been working a few years and whatnot. And I was in my own house and things. You know, my wife was working at the time, so I had, uh, you know, I just, I just thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get download that video onto a laptop, and I'm gonna go and sh try and show it to people and see what happens. You know, so I bought this projector. I already had a laptop for my work. You know, mm -hmm. so I didn't have to buy one of them. And then I took it around the local area and. Uh, you know, I did a few, uh, uh, did a Women's Institute group and I did a Probus group, which is retired business people and a couple of things like that. And, um, you know, and I, and I did a little PowerPoint to go with it, which I then later sort of expanded as I was finding more and more and realizing that things were quite a bit more complicated than uh, than initially I thought. And, um, and, and that was really what, what kicked me off was this disclosure project. And I was plugging away with that for, well, I hate to say it's for like 18 months. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and then I was finding out about other stuff and people were writing to me by then a little bit and saying, oh, you know, you've looked into this UFO stuff a bit. Why don't you have a look at this area? You know, and there was one guy in particular um, um, in Canada who I corresponded with a few times and he was a big fan of the Disclosure Project and he'd met Stephen Greer a couple of times 
and he he told me a little bit about Greer, you know, and stuff, and some of the meetings he'd done. Yeah. And um, he then sent me this book, which was called Politics in Healing. He just sent me this PDF by Daniel Haley. Anybody that's not read that book, uh, which is available on Amazon, I mean, it's 20 years old now, but it's a very worthwhile read because it helps you to understand, for example, another cover-up to do with cancer and what they've done with cancer and, 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 and how cancer is really a business. It's not, yes, it's an illness, but it's a curable illness. It's a fully treatable illness, you know, for most people, most of the time, if you get the treatment started early, you know, and there's lots of different ways of treating cancer. And that book really makes that clear, I think. And, um, does, and that, uh, th does that go into at all the um, terrain versus gem theory? No, that particular book doesn't. It wasn't until a lot <clears throat> later that I heard about that. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't really go into that. Okay. But it does go into certain substances that can be used to treat cancer, particularly um, rather than chemotherapy, which really doesn't work, you know, really. I mean, some people claim that it works, but I think it, I think that's mainly placebo. And the fact that you, what you do is you typically, uh, when you're on chemo, you're going to flush your body out. You're going to have to get rid of all those toxins to get rid of the toxic chemo, you know, chemicals. And by doing that, that's probably that, 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 that sort of gets rid of the cancer, not the actual chemicals themselves, really, I don't think. But that, that's just an off, off the top of my head sort of yes. uh, view on that, you know. Uh, and, of course, I'm not a doctor. I, my background is in software development. That's what I did professionally you know for uh, 20 years and uh, and uh, I also got into education as well you see because I'd always had an interest in education and uh, I thought about going and doing a teacher training uh, course you know uh, a PGCE as it's called I don't know if it's called, still called that postgraduate certificate in education I thought about doing that um, when I was uh, university <clears throat> but then I finished and I got a couple of job offers and I thought, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to spend another year in studying. I'm fed up of it now, really. <laughs> and I want to go on, you know, do, earn some money and do some, I want to fiddle with some real technology, you know, and yeah. stuff. And, and I was fortunate enough to get paid for doing that, you know. And um, so, uh, you know, I, but that I still held this uh, interest in education. And I, I, when it, even when I was at school, I'd try and help people with their homework, you know, even if there were, because some people were quite unpleasant to me, you know, what some kids can be like, you know. Indeed. And I, w I was no different. I, w I, was, I wasn't physically bullied, but I was ver verbally bullied, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just how it goes, you know, for, for people like me. And uh, But I was still helped them, you know, so I had an interest in uh, education and helping people understand things. That, uh, when, I, when I was able to do that, I really enjoyed it, you know, I really got a lot out of doing that. Yes. And so uh, combining the technology, the education, that's, as I've said in other interviews, that's what I tried to bring into uh, the research thing. You know, in other words, I'd, to be quite honest, I haven't really done a vast amount of original research, really. I've done, I've done, I've done quite a bit of original research into what's known as the chemtrails, the persistent, uh, persistent jet trails. I think I've done a, a reasonable amount of original research in that. I've done some original research in 9-11, in research, uh, certain parts of that, and I've done perhaps a little bit in the UFO field, really. But a lot of the other stuff is just is really analysing existing research and, and maybe assisting others uh, in certain ways, giving them some perspective or 
like coordinating things together so you know they'll write to me about something and say i've, I've got this really interesting thing that's i've found out or it's happened to me and i'll write back and say oh that's yeah that is really interesting have you heard about this have you spoken to this person you know have you read his book or whatever you know and it, and, it, and that's that's really what I've, I've kind of done um since since 2003 you know Mm. So clearly, you have had, you've have you've um, you were born with a curiosity, um, a love for technology. Clearly, mm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I, I'm just uh, wondering where you wanted to go with that, but that's true. And so, you know, yeah, there's been various interests, and I felt several times that uh you know an expression that, you know life sort of prepares you for a certain situation uh, and a certain set of situations um if you're open to that being a thing you know again moving away from this conventional idea that you're born you know you you go to school you learn a, a trade or a craft or something you you practice that to earn money and then you know you retire and you die mm -hmm. Uh, if you go beyond that idea and you think, well, actually, maybe there's something bigger going on in the universe and maybe I can contribute to that yes. sort of uh, situation in some way. If you start to see that as, an, as a thing and an idea and then you start to think, oh, well, maybe there is something to that mm -hmm. and maybe that's what uh you know it, it isn't very popular to to think in that manner and actually when you look at this maybe the ways that society has been structured isn't just an evolutionary thing maybe there's something else going on where you know we've been actually manipulated yes. to think that this, this career progression and all of that is is the only thing we can do there isn't anything else to, to do you know because we're just we're just basically biological robots at the end of the day you know maybe somebody's just tried to convince us that that's the case for their own benefit and they're not really you know connected with this sort of higher uh, sort of consciousness or whatever you want to call it you know mm. and uh you I would know, agree. I would. I would totally agree. I mean, you. We can see. I mean, depending on how old you are, um, if you're maybe in your sort of thirties plus, mm. you can just look at your own life experiences mm. and just look back at the the various governments, the changes in mm. economy, the you know the the changes in technology, moving from being a manufacturing mm. uh, sort of country to be in a yep. service driven country you know to not utilizing um, this fiat currency that we have these paper promissory notes to the swiping cards and stuff we've been sort of led down this technological ch chain um and we're moving more and more away from the touch taste and feel of being a human yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know we, we we almost seem to be seeing um you know some kind of culmination of that in the last uh since 2020 in the last uh two years definitely so yeah you know 
and I began to wake up to that process. And I think it happens for many people. And this is, I, I remember Ian Crane saying this, and I'd never really thought about it until he said it. Uh, this tends to happen, uh, referring to what you just said, and that's why it reminded me, around the age of 40. Once you get to the age of 40, you know, you've lived a bit of life, you may be seeing a bit of the world if you've been fortunate enough to do that. You know, you've maybe had children, you know, you've had a relationship or you may have had several relationships by then. You know, so you've so you've sort of become a rounded or maybe a crumpled person, you know, depending on your life experience and how you react to that. Yes. Uh, and and then you start thinking, well, what's it all about? What is going on? And and so this awakening of, of, to to something bigger, you're thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know, what what is the human race even doing here? Yeah. That tends to happen around the age of forty. And um, and and I, I can't remember Ian Crane that said it as well. Um, but but he he mentioned that uh, Princess Diana, for example, I think she was killed. When she was 39, I think, I think she might be 40 or 41, but it was around the age of 40 that Diana was killed. And I think she'd already started to become quite dangerous because she'd maybe sort of realised that there was other stuff going on. And if you watch that final interview that she did in uh, 96 or 97, yeah, I think you, you can see signs of that, you know. And uh, that's why I think she was she was there to take her out, you know. Oh, definitely. And also, let's not let's let's not sort of uh, miss out the elephant in the room. She was potentially pregnant by you know Fayad's yeah. son. And yeah, and that would have been a real uh, banner in the works for the upcoming agenda of uh, yeah, you know, setting the 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 the, the, the um, you know Western cultures against the Arab world and Muslims, Indeed. Christianity yeah. against Islam and stuff, yes. you know. Um, so that was another of these conflicts they set up. In other words, you know, you know, uh, the West against Arabs, and um, you know, uh, that side of the world, and also the Christianity versus Islam. They wanted mm. that as a conflict, and now, of course, they've expanded it to gender conflict, and you know, <laughs> vax unvax conflict, yes. and all of that. Well, well that know? is the most prominent thing at the moment, as you say. Yeah. The latter yeah. two, it's the it's the feminist rights. You know, yep. women's yep. needs to have. To, to be on an equal standing point uh, as men physically, mentally, yeah. emotionally, financially, at all stages where we know as, as rational, logical beings that we all have our place. It's a balance, isn't it? We have feminine yeah. energy and we have masculine energy. That's right. That's um, right. It's, it, we, we can't get away from the natural natures of law, but as we've alluded to with this technocratic state and this fast-paced lifestyle we have, that's no longer the... You can pick and choose. Today, Andrew, I am now a clock. Do not refer right. to me as a human being. Refer to me as clock. That is now acceptable verbiage. This is lunacy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, what you're saying there goes back a long way in terms of one of the things when I started you know, digging into all of this was um, looking back in history and how how Christianity was set up as a basically as a, a patriarchal system, you know, and the whole symbology of it is, is patriarchal. And, and they overlaid that on the more pagan beliefs, even to the point of, you know, making Easter a Christian festival oh, yeah. when it's not at all. It's a pagan festival. And you yeah. can see that. 
Yes. You know, it's based on the cycle of the of the moon, as as is many of the Islamic festivals, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and and you can't argue with that. You know, either it is or it isn't. It's not a question of interpretation. It does Easter stand on a fixed day? No, it doesn't. How is it? You know, it's in relation to the cycle of the moon, for heaven's sake. <laughs> so we know that that was done deliberately. And then you have to, if you're interested and you're curious, you want to, like I am, you want to find out the reason for that. You know, and then you find out things like, well, or what they say about the Gospels. You know, the Gospels weren't written down until 200 years after the alleged time of Jesus. Oh, yes. You know, and then you find all the links to astrology. You know, the twelve disciples and yes. the twelve signs of the zodiac, and mm -hmm. Jesus was a fisher of men. You know, yeah. and that's the age of Pisces and all of that stuff. You know, and on and on it goes. And once you unpick un un that, you you see how it's all a, a massive operation of perception management. Mm -hmm. and, and it appears to be to, to keep us down in this lower levels of consciousness where, you know, they want to create conflict and they want to create rule by fear of one form or another. And it takes many forms, some of which are not easily recognizable, you know, um, you know, and, and, and it's really that to me, that's been a running theme in, in finding out all the different ways that they make people put in fear and 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 that fear is is the basis of the slavery system 100 you know? false you know? evidence appearing real and then also what we're doing yeah. well sorry what they are doing the powers that should have never have been is they are putting labels on people and putting people in boxes so yep. you want to fit in and, and, and as human beings and as mankind we want to we want to belong so we want to identify based upon all these different boxes we can go into sometimes we're born into a box so in a in a religious sense in a and then when we look at the word religion religio yeah. bind restrain hold back yeah this this right this more than speaks volume to what we're discussing the spiritual systems within the three abrahamic faiths the, the, if you can utilize those um in your individual life and manifest you know quote-unquote righteousness and for and a fulfilled life and happy family etc all power to you when we get mixed up into the religion that's where we get to the manipulation. That's where we get into the control. That's where we get yep. into the, the misusing of the teachings and not really fully understanding that, yes, of course, as, you, as you, you've stated within the, the, the Gospels, within the manuscripts, there are astrological stories, tales yep. <laughs> that are easily decoded. There was stuff, there's parables, yep. you know, there's stuff in there that aren't necessarily... Um, historical facts, but it's a means right. of describing a story which you should be able to interpret given the right tools to then be able to manifest into your life. Yeah, I mean, there's lot, lots in there to, to sort of consider. And um, certainly as regards the Bible, I think vast number of people, do, they tend to sort of more or less take it literally. Mm -hmm. And it has got some good literal things in it. You know, you, I mean, I think that one of the things that surprises me and that, that people these days talk less about the Ten Commandments. In fact, most Christians don't really talk about the Ten Commandments, in my experience. They're more talking about Jesus forgiving people and, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, 
and being and, and being and believing in Jesus will make a big difference in your life. Well, what about the Ten Commandments? You yes. know, why why don't you talk about those? Mm. Because to me, those those are good. You know, I don't have a problem with the Ten Commandments. I think they're a good form a good sort of moral basis for living, really. And just take that, you know, if you just take that single page or however many pages of the Bible and use that and forget all the rest, you know, the world will be a better place, you know, I think. I mean, maybe I'm being too moralistic or something, I don't know, but I think I think the Ten Commandments are, are pretty good, you know. Uh, I don't know where, really know where they came from. I know what the story is, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm still not sure if that story is true. And, uh, you know, and then, and then you start to get into the thing of, well, what, 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 you know, what is good and what is evil? What is the origin? And this is something Michael Sarian has asked, you know, what is the origin of evil? You know, Michael is, is Sarian, it, he's a, a well studied, wouldn't agree with some of the things he says, but he has put me together. Neither. Yeah, he's put together some very interesting information, most definitely. Absolutely. You know, I think he's one of these people, again, that's uh, got some really interesting angles on things. And I remember reading his book, uh, I think it was Aliens and Atlantis, you know, and that's got some interesting stuff in it. Yes. And, uh, you know, do I agree with everything in it? No, not necessarily. Do I have to agree with everything? No, Mm -hmm. nobody does. Mm -hmm. But I think, again, it's having this somebody like him who's thought about these issues and made certain statements and drawn up certain conclusions and brought together evidence. When somebody's clearly done that, I think it's worth listening to them, you know, yeah. because then you, 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 you can help your own you know, your understanding and development by, by looking at how, you know, it can speed that up because they've already thought about a lot of the things you have Indeed. and found things you haven't. Yes. And then you might say, well, actually, you know, read it the first 10 chapters or whatever. And, oh, and you get to chapter 11. Nah, I don't agree with that because I found this, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll find something else, which or something in your own experience, which contradicts that or seems a better refinement of it, you know, or something. Yes. So that, that's 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 the kind of process that I've been going through. And um, I think one of the things that's helped me uh, in terms of going back to my own sort of journey and things like that is is having that um, ability uh, to deal with quite complex information and have a, having a good memory and having a logical mind because you you know if you're going to do coding and programming you know I mean one of the, one of the jobs I did uh, in the 90s you know it was like a, a graphics package that I was developing and it had like 40,000 lines of code in it mm. you know so you imagine developing a machine with like uh, 10,000 parts yeah. Uh, can you can you hold that in your brain and 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 know which part is probably not working properly and go and find that part and ch- fix it you know or change it you know and and wh- and you're doing that all in your head you know it's not like you've got um, well of course you can zoom to it on a screen and search for it in an editor and stuff like that but you know that helped me because I I can remember uh, names and I can typically remember names and dates pretty well. Um, and that that helps me, I think, to work through information perhaps a bit more quickly yeah. than some other people can do. So that I think is where I found uh, my particular area of experience. Uh, you know, I th- I I found that on a number of occasions, applying that uh, as has put me into a a good situation. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, uh, helping people uh, format books for publishing or format documents, things like that. You know, I've helped out quite a bit with that uh, sort of with various people. 
and that's how I I met Lloyd Pye, you know, because I was helping him transfer some uh, images um, from a 35 millimeter slide into a PowerPoint. So he didn't know how to do that, you see, but I did. So I did that for him and he was like totally blown. He didn't even know you could do it. You know, he didn't even know you could do that at the time. This was going back to 2004. He'd not even seen it done. And he was like, that's just totally amazing. And to yeah. me, it was just, it's just a bloody scanner. You know, it's nothing. I've had that for 10 years, you know. But so, um, you know, that is that kind of thing, um, which which has, has, has moved me forward. And uh, as I say, meeting Lloyd Pye was a big, big sort of uh, thing for me, you know. Mm. What if uh, happened with um, Michael Tazarian? Because I, he's, I don't really see him at all much on any sort of major platforms and stuff. Has he been blackballed? I, I really or don't know. I don't know. I think it might just be that, um, you know, the, the, the interest in his material has faded. And I mean, it's, it's the same with me in, in many respects. Um, you know, I think we, we mentioned uh, Richard D. Hall, obviously, but I, I, people don't really know my name apart from, from uh, when I've been on with Richard. You know, if it wasn't for him and his program, people mm-hmm. wouldn't know who I was. Uh, and I think it's similar for, for somebody like Michael Soren. They've done the books, you know, and he's probably been around, I don't know, 20, 20 years or something. Yeah. But he, may, he might have just decided, well, I've, I've, I've you know, I've, I haven't I've got anything it. new to say, you yeah. know, and I'm a bit like that. You know, I, I, I don't I don't you know, I, I wait to be asked to do talks and stuff. I don't I don't really I, I don't contact Richard and say, oh, Richard, let's do another program. You know, mm. typically we'll have a conversation. And uh, then we'll say, oh, yeah, well, that's, we can probably record something on this. You know, he, do, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily invite me on. And I don't invite myself on. You know, it's just like a mutual thing, you know. Yes. And um, when we when we've got something we feel that needs discussing, you know, uh, et cetera. And so I think it's, you know, people do have perhaps have their time. They have their contribution um, if it's natural. But if, it, you know, we, we know, for example, that certain people are promoted by the mainstream and oh. I can I can talk about David Icke and Alex Jones as being two obvious examples. Indeed. You know, I'm not like them, you know. Um, they have their own particular way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think, for, for example, certainly Alex Jones, he's, he's not on the level. Uh, I know I'm, I, can, I can be certain of that. David Icke I have some doubts about, but I think he's just more... Um, you know, he's just more, he's, he's so well-known, he's in so many books Yeah. Um, that he's, he kind of, he just carries on doing what he's doing, you know, um, to some extent. But, uh, you know, it's a he's, machine he's, now. Yeah, yeah, but he's used by the mainstream. In fact, I was looking at something the other day. Uh, I think it was on one of the, I hate looking at BBC website now, even website, I can't stand going onto it, but um, he was on there again. What was it I was looking at the other day? And I think, oh God, here we go. So he was, he was being used basically to, um, you know, to sort of uh, cast the COVID scepticism in a bad light. He was being used, he was being used on a BBC article. Uh, Not overtly, it was kind of quite subtle, but that I think is, that's what he's been doing. And, and I think he's got, you know, he. I think he knows that basically, you know, because as I've said on other interviews, somebody like David Icke, what they should say is he was asked a few years ago at this reptilian queen thing. And he says, 
on an interview, it was Andrew Neil said to David, like, do you still think the Queen's a, a reptile or something or, or reptilian blood or something? And he just said, yes, I do. And his real answer to it should have been, well, I don't really know. I used to think that. Yeah. But uh, I, I was actually given false information, which he knows he was given false information. And uh, what's his name? Brian um, Desborough, I think his name, told him he was being given false information and I like, ignored him, you know. And then the woman that gave him the false information, Arizona Wilder, that's not her real name, actually said that she'd, she'd essentially given him false information a couple of years after he published his book. And he's never, he's never, he's never stated that, and to my knowledge, certainly not in his books, to my knowledge anyway. So Alex, that's uh, the point. Arizona Wilder, is she... they connected to, to CIA or something? Well, I think so. Yeah, I think there was some talk of a connection to the CIA with her. Um, I can't remember the exact story, but she told this story of being involved with a, a you know, a, a ceremony which involved the Queen shapeshifting into a reptilian. And that was pretty much a made up story, if you ask me. Yeah. So that and David Icke has never admitted that he was fed false information because he's worried about his credibility. Credibility, of course, you know? of course. Uh, right, and, and that's just like being a politician. There's no difference, you know. Uh, why would you want to do that if you're interested in the truth? You know, would, would that also, no, you're right. You're right. When you when you look at it in the cold light of day in that respect, yes, I, I would 100% agree. But when you look at humanity or mankind, um, pride is also another thing that yes. we should take into consideration. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, all of us have pride, a level of ego and pride. But I think one of the, one of the things that if you look back at how we've got into this situation, one of the big factors in this is people not being willing to say that they were wrong, mm. you know, because the society and elements in that society have been encouraged, not so much in, uh, in uh, you know, childhood, but in adult life, admission of a mistake is seen as being uh, a weakness yeah. or admission of a mistake people fear the consequences and that they will be you know uh, sanctioned in some way mm. you know because that's the way society has been set up and it's got worse of course you know and this certainly in america you know it's such a litigious culture for example uh, you know that, that sort of thing and that that's been a, a, i think a serious factor which is often overlooked i think that that's that's sort of made us get into the situation we're in now where we've got all organized uh, establishments cannot admit they were wrong and they've yeah. been deceived mm. and they're not going to you know because of 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 the level of the the deception and they're not going to do it you know and 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 I realized that quite a while ago somebody said to me but in fact I remember distinctly um, it was before all of this before I got into all of this and I had to go and um I was I was doing some software, and I had to go and demonstrate this software to a customer. Uh, and the guy that I was doing it with, he couldn't do it. Uh, he would have done it, I think, or something. Or, but I was asked to do it, and he says he said something like, "Oh, don't say this, don't say that." And I wasn't going to say it anyway, you know. But he said to me, "Look, Andrew, you're too honest," you know. <laughs> and I thought, "Well, what does that mean?" You know. Yeah. I mean, I knew obviously I knew what it meant, but yeah. but that. You know, I, that's, again, one of the points where I realised that my approach to things was was different to a lot of other people's, mm. you know. And 
you know, I mean, this guy I was working with, he was a good guy, and I'm still in touch with him, you know, and he is, he's, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to be, yes. he wasn't trying to commit any kind of fraud or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But he, he was, you know, but he was, he, I knew what, I knew what he was doing, and I knew what he was saying, I understood where he was coming from. But uh, it, that was just a, a, an event that stuck in my mind, you know. And it's for people who are naturally honest and upright, it's difficult to change that behavior and not to yeah. be polite and not to be honest and, yeah. and, and not to be. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. and I don't think we should. I think we need no. to be careful. I think we definitely need to be careful of who we're nice, honest, and polite with. Um, sure, you know, you have to be sensitive to those around you mm -hmm. up to a point. Yes. Um, you know, and obviously we have social niceties. We, we don't, you know, we don't live in caves anymore and just club, club the person over the head when they don't, you know, we don't agree with them. You know, mm -hmm. we've sort of gone beyond that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, uh, the, 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 there is a point where, you know, I think uh, if you can't be totally honest, then there's no point in in doing anything, you know. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's what's driven me, you know. And uh, you know, I I, I I've I've tried to uh, hold that, you know, at the forefront of what I do. It's. I think it's it's logically it's the it's the only thing that separates. Well, no, it's the only thing that you can at the end when you know you're period is up in this three-dimensional realm mm -hmm. you can look back at that and say i did my best yeah yeah i think that's that's all i i would say as well you know and certainly uh you know just again going back to sort of my background and stuff like that one of the things which has come out of of um the discussions that i've had with you know richard and other people is uh the three thing the thing in common that we richard and i've said this many times actually so i don't know why i'm stumbling over it now so badly uh the thing thing that richard and myself and dr judy wood have in common is we're all, all got a background in engineering now engineering is different from science essentially engineering is applied science mm -hmm. so it's taking whatever science you know that you've worked on or yeah. been worked on by others and making it actually do something real something yes. practical yes and, and, and as dr judy would have said in some of her interviews you know she was involved with the uh, types of civil engineering she used to teach uh, that in university you can't argue the bridge back up you know so in other words if the bridge is built and it falls down because of an engineering fault you know it's not going to go back up through arguing you know the only thing you can do is understand why it fell down and uh, make sure it doesn't happen again Indeed. you know and the same with software, you know, if you're writing some software to do something, it either works at the end of the day or it doesn't, or it, it can work quite well or it can work very well, you know, and you can't just argue with somebody to say, oh, it, you know, this works, they'll say, no, it doesn't, you know. Um, and sometimes you can get into a situation where, for example, you can have two apparently identical machines and the software works on one and not on the other. And it can take a very long time you know, days or weeks to work out why this is the case, you know, and it comes down to something very subtle. And and I think once you develop an appreciation for that and you realize, for example, that you'd made an assumption 
uh, and that assumption was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, that that also factors into what I do and my approach to things because I've made certain assumptions in my work and in private life as well that I I was absolutely convinced were correct and then and they're not correct. Yeah. You know, and I've had to go back and oh sod it, you know, that's so annoying. You know, I was wrong about that. And it's like humble pie, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but once you deal with that, you learn, you know, you learn from it and you become more experienced. And then the next time that comes up again, you can say, ah, yes, that's what I thought, but I'm now going to check this, you yes. know, and that, that applies both in a technical way and in everyday life, you know, um, and, and appreciating that, uh, you know, you, you gain more experience and you have a better handle on things, mm-hmm. but, but even that in of itself, you know, you have to accept that everyone's experience is different. So yes. sometimes what you say doesn't always apply to everyone else's situation either. Uh, and, and that can be true in a technical sense as well, because like, oh, you know, say I've got Windows 10 or something on my computer and I'll say, yeah, do this, this and that. And, you, and you'll say, no, I've, no, it, that doesn't work. And then I work out that you've got an earlier version of Windows 10 and they've taken off one of the features, you know, or something or, or, or in your later version or something like that, you know. So there's some implicit assumption that you've made and all you can do really is keep gathering information to work out what the problem is. And then, you know, when you, once you've got enough, you can make a diagnosis, you know, and uh, that's what engineering is about. Software development is about that, but also it has you know, like my daughter, she's at, um, she's doing veterinary medicine and that, that is a problem solving activity. You know, an animal comes into the surgery, something wrong with it and you've got to work out what's wrong with it, you know? So it's, so it's actually very similar to engineering. It's, and, and this is something that Dr. Judy Wood has spoken about problem solving skills. You know, problem solving is not really taught, uh, in, 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 in school. It, it's taught a bit in university, but in a kind of sometimes a, too much of an abstract way. You know, I was just about to say that it's very abstract because once many university, you know, um, students come out, they it, it's it's like they're floating in the air. They don't, it's, yeah, nothing's really practical. It's it's all they don't know how to apply what they've actually been taught. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of courses. It depends on the course a bit as well. I mean, you know, courses with practical elements such as, uh, you know, electrical engineering or electronic engineering and indeed uh, doing a bit of uh, coding and programming, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's slightly different. But uh, th- th- that's where, again, you know, for problem solving, you need to have imagination and creativity. Yes. Uh, and that that is not something that is necessarily taught. I think it can be encouraged and developed, but, you know, speaking from my own experience, some people are quite creative and some are just, some are just not creative. They're just linear thinkers, A to yeah. B. Yeah. And they, if you ask them to go sort of sideways, zigzag, what's a zigzag? I've never heard of that. We always go in a straight line where I do things, you know. Please explain um, that further, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you and, and this is where things like intuition, inspiration come in and knowing, for example, that uh, having the confidence that you will find a solution somehow, um, but not necessarily in an obvious way or in a direct way. It might be quite a roundabout way, you know. Um, so, so those sorts of things have always factored in to my my behaviour and thinking as well. You know, okay. um, but I, you know, I'm quite a conventional person. I'm I'm quite habitual with things, you know, as well. I'm not I'm not an impulsive person. 
I, I think I'm quite creative in certain ways, in, in, in certain uh, areas, uh, but I, I'm not really impulsive. You know, I'm, I'm fairly conventional. I I'm, I'm fairly predictable, you know, in, in, in the way I sort of behave in, in daily life and stuff, you know. Would, would you say you calculated? Yeah, definitely. I do. I do. Um, you know, try and work out what I'm going to do and work out what the options are. And I try and choose, choose the best options. You know, I very rarely will just say, I'll just, I'll just do this. You know, I usually, I'm quite analytical, you know, I do analyze things a lot. I get that. I get that big time. I get that big time from yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And some people don't like that. You know, some people, some people are, uh, you know, you know, some people think, oh, you just, you're just uh, tr- trying to be clever, aren't you? You're just trying to outsmart me, you know. And um, uh, in some ways, it comes across like that, but I don't. And that's not not what I'm, I'm meant. I'm, that's not you know what I'm really like. You know, I just I just want. I suppose when it comes to that side of things, I want some kind of acknowledgement that in most cases, not all, I thought about an issue more than most other people have. Yes, and that's. You know that—that's, I suppose, all the acknowledgement of what. Well, I—I I may not be right. You know, I may not always be right, but I would like to, you know, an acknowledgement that I've thought about it more than most other people have. You well, know, you like, com- particularly with 9/11 research, for example. 100% because you're coming from a place of not understanding, of standing underneath the information and and, yeah. and research. You're standing or you're overstanding it as well. Right, you're, right, right. You're looking um, at it from multiple different angles trying to yeah and i think this this that you're right and that word understanding you know that's a whole other area we could get into with you know the redefinition of language and the misuse of language and uh, i think i think that, going back to michael sarin i think he talked about that a little bit yes. i know it's mainly mainly jordan maxwell that's uh he's done a lot on that area well um, it's funny you mentioned i mean i forgot to tie these two be, um, up before um David Icke and Jordan Maxwell, I believe both of them um, are quite fond of um, Blavatsky. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, um, of her works, um, which was quite surprising myself when I, when I stumbled mm. across it. I thought, mm. that's interesting. I mean, and all mm. infinite well infam- knowledge and information is infinite we know this um mm. I, uh, in my humble opinion i think you should be quite choosy in regards to where you seek uh, your mm. information yeah yeah i mean I, I i generally am you know and um you know i'm uh, uh, i i do have a lot of people writing to me sending me stuff and certainly with this covid stuff you know that um that uh, the information i've got sent about that you know has been very much um you know um crowdsourced you might say i've had a lot of different people sending me stuff and i've collated all of that i've tried to collate all of that you know um so yeah i mean again it's the analytical side kicks in you know and i try and uh, i try and use use that to, to try and sort of uh, filter all of that you know since um, you've mentioned the zombie apocalypse covid 1984 mm. why there's there's clearly multiple different sort of um hypotheses in regards to what this actually is um you know it's, I, I'll, I'll throw a few out there some people are, are saying this is a, a man-made manipulated virus cooked up in some sort of lab mm. with um, HIV 
elements to it and HIV and something else basically on there. Um, and it's unwittingly for other people has been let out for other people have just said they've let it out intentionally for the purpose of depopulation, which ties in with many of Ted's, Turner, uh, Gates, the Bilderbergs, mm -hmm. CFR, mm -hmm. Council on Fire Relation, not, not, not CFR yeah. Network. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what what is based upon obviously all the information you've been getting through and your analytics what have you come to what is your hypothesis yeah so i mean in summary um my, my sort of conclusion really is that the whole idea of the virus is a sideshow obviously yes i think you know we, we that's fairly easy to establish that um and then we you know What's been happening a bit, I think, is um, years overslept searching for the time so i turned to the ref and he seems to think there's only two years left wait 2013 catch a new year's breath good morning i'm paranoid when i'm all alone they got me watching what i say when i hold the phone now i'm cautious down to my last chromosome Kaluminati, i don't even eat toberone my body's hooked up to a computer My brain is connected to a wireless router I'm searching for the truth but it's misconstrued Glued to YouTube, getting more confused, is it true? I sit very calm with a chip on my shoulder Chip in my palm and my splits very strong I need to go to bed Conspiracies and cheese is fucking with my head Good night, but I can't escape, I don't have a chance I'm still plugged into my avatar When I'm asleep I write these songs in the night time You don't believe me, read my palm, see my lifeline The area that I'm in capsule burst chrome Let the one without sin cast the first stone Cause I've been blackballed all my life So I fuck who I want And I say what I like And I type what I think I tweet what I feel But it's hard to distinguish what's real And in my wet dreams I always welcome women with a good walk Wake up, wash my wheelie Then wish them good luck I got a little girl So I shouldn't say that What goes around comes around ASAP But daddy won't play that That's how the world turns But no dad deserves to Get lumped, fish burns. I'm still developing like a tadpole. That's why my haters never had goals. All they wanna do is stop me climbing up the flagpole. They wanna shoot me, turn my stomach into spag bowl. Blah blah, what a price to pay. I watch man's gang bang their whole life away and leave behind a baby mother with no help. The curse of giving birth before she gets to know herself. They say I don't release enough material So here's a free download, here you go I'm still original every time you hear the flow I still have black girls in my videos 
I need to be free and escape But don't know if I'm asleep or I'm awake So I pinch myself My soul's full of love but my talk is so raw My brain's on drugs but my heart is so pure A dream within a dream where things ain't always what it seems Controlled by the images we see on our screens Need more than two eyes to see what it means Inception A dream within a dream We need more than two eyes to see what it means Inception taking the time to tune into CFR Network. If you enjoyed the content, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. And if you ain't already, most definitely share. If you'd like to go that step further and to support the broadcast, go over to sbmentality.com and go get yourself some merch. And also go check out my sponsor over at Instagram, Supreme of the UK. Thank you for your continued support.